Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome again to the Explaining History podcast, and today we're continuing with our exploration of uh, post-war Italian fascism, and we're looking about how, by the 1960s, uh, the conditions were being created for a wave of neo-fascist violence uh, across Italy. Now, the first thing I want to do um, today <coughs> is look at one of the, the key neo-fascist thinkers um, of the period, Julius Evola, um, and his story really starts to kind of set out how we go on this journey towards the convulsions of violence um, that we get um, later on during the 1960s. Um, Evola had a long kind of um, pedigree within Italian fascism. He was born in 1898, um, and as with so many um, of uh, Mussolini's contemporaries, uh, was actually born into an aristocratic family and started his uh, career uh, amongst the um, the futurists, um, the artistic movement, the uh, and um, the, the Dadaist um, precursors to um, to surrealism. Uh, many of the um, key adherents of um, uh, fascism and sort of kind of like proto-fascism came from the um, futurist movement. Um, the idea about their, their art was the kind of expressive and bold ideas about uh, technology acceleration and smashing beyond um, the boundaries and constraints of nature. Um, he discovered fascism um, at, just before the um, uh, just at the end of the First World War. Uh, he never joined the fascist party, though. Um, he saw himself in slightly more um, sort of Hitler-esque terms as a um, an artist and an intellectual and he saw himself as kind of standing above politics um, above the kind of the the pettiness and smallness of politics in some kind of uh, greater uh, national interest which is uh, again quite a kind of Hitler-like conception. He had uh, a loathing for the masses at the same time a kind of a fascination with the psychology of crowds um, and the belief that uh, the masses could somehow be turned to um, good effect. Um, And um, he had um, 
interestingly, rather eccentrically, deeply pagan uh, ideas, um, which sort of differentiated, differentiated himself from the social conservatism and the Catholic social conservatism of Mussolini's brand of Italian fascism. Um, he saw um, um, his uh, brand of fascism as well as being based on more cultural um, uh, notions rather than uh, racial ideas. Um, and he was um, well thought of by Mussolini when um, Evola wrote um, a book in 1941, The Synthesis of the, the Doctrine of Race. Um, he gained the, the official approval of Mussolini. So here we are again, reading from uh, Roger Eatwell's Fascism and History. And Eatwell writes, In 1944, while staying in Vienna, Evola was permanently crippled by a Russian bomb. The injury reinforced his leaning towards uh, thought rather than action. And after the war, he remained aloof from party politics until his death in 1974. Instead, he devoted himself mainly to writing, producing voluminous output to add to his pre-war works. The result has been described as the most originally creative body of thought to come from an Italian fascist. In fact, much of this doctrine was second-hand, and Evola's writings are often obscure, but this has not stopped him from being, uh, becoming a seminal source of reference for neo-fascists in Italy and everywhere. So much of Evola's writing was a, a mixture of an attempt at sort of scientific and technological rationality, and the combination of that and, uh, and, and myth and fantasy. Um, the central idea um, of his writing which he developed in his 1934 book, The Revolt Against the Modern World, was that Western society was in terminal decline because it had moved away from the hierarchical warrior-priest society, which he saw as central to successful previous civilizations. Um, many intellectuals who turned to fascism in the early 20th century, uh, including Evola, were interested in other cultures. Evola had a fascination with uh, Japan. Um, he was fascinated by the samurai code and the samurai culture of Japan, Bushido, as it's, uh, um, and he was fascinated with the Islamic idea of holy war, or jihad, and the uh, martial ideas behind um, Hindu nationalism. So he was obsessed with these um, ideas of kind of warrior cults around the world, and believed that Western society could only be revitalised through returning to these uh, masculine creeds. There a, a, was a common sense among um, fascists and pre-fascist thinkers uh, before the First World War and afterwards that um, Western society had become emasculated, it had become too peaceful, too domesticated, too bourgeois, um, too full of people consuming the creature comforts um, and too little based around the, the idea of endless conflict and endless struggle and endless strife being the spark of creativity um, and more um, a more warlike, uh, more martial, more masculine culture fighting, struggling and striving which are all kind of underpinning ideas of fascism uh, would be uh, how Western society would revitalise itself Evola um, contrasted the codes of Bushido and Jihad with the what he saw as the materialist decadence, with, which he saw at the heart of Western society, 
the fact that uh, post-war abundance had um, begun to radically transform society had begun to address material problems that people had struggled with um, for uh, time immemorial and he saw this as kind of weakening and corrupting society. Um, he thought that um, society was becoming increasingly rootless. He saw the individualism of the post-war era. He saw uh, an increasing, and it, also the interwar era as well, he saw uh, rising levels of um, relativism, kind of intellectual and cultural and moral relativism uh, of people uh, taking whatever choice particularly suited or pleased them and justifying that as some kind of uh, moral outcome. Um, and he thought that this would eventually, a society like this would eventually collapse when it faced a more warlike uh, opponent. And he definitely focused on these during the, um, his book, The Revolt Against the Modern World in 1934. During the, world, during the Second World War, um, his views led him to openly admire uh, the SS uh, as the embodiment of the defence of European culture against the alien hordes. And I've spoken before about this uh, kind of fascist trope about, discuss about uh, describing um, uh, the Russians and Eastern Europeans as, as Asiatics, as uh, non-Europeans and not part of the kind of the European Enlightenment uh, and sort of the barbarians at the gate just as the uh, ss often like to think of themselves as as at the spartan as the spartans at thermopylae um roger eatwell writes if Ola's contempt for bourgeois society and non-linear view of history owed much to nietzsche uh, oswald spengler and the german conservative revolutionaries their influence can be seen in the immediate political conclusion from which he drew his thought the need to withdraw from data, uh, from the day-to-day -day issue of politics and to concentrate on creating a new elite class which would be imbued with the ethic of the warrior priest, men who could unite society around a new secular religion and provide it with a sense of purpose worth defending. Um, again, in um, what, um, they, uh, what the likes of Evola saw in Western society was a purposelessness. Um, was uh, in an increasingly secular society, in an increasingly uh, non-deferential society, in a society uh, based on um, rising uh, a sense of kind of against intellectual and moral relativism. Um, nothing was there was no one creed around which to unite people. When Evola um, articulated the need for uh, political soldiers who would lead the revolution against capitalist decadence and uh, create this new uh, brutalised, brutal martial society that could stand up to its enemies. Um, he was possibly um, trying to uh, broadly theorise about the sorts of um, attributes men should have in order to uh, defend society uh, against its enemies, um, but uh, there was a, a subtext in there, a more sinister subtext in his writing, of the advocacy of terrorist violence. Um, and that only through terrorist violence um, could um, Evola's adherents um, uh, develop the kind of the consciousness and the mental discipline and the willpower to become what Evola described as political soldiers. 
and um, destabilise um, the democratic state. Um, and so uh, Evola was one of a number of polemicists during the 40s and 50s who were starting to suggest that, that this new state that existed uh, as a result of the fall of fascism at the end of the Second World War could be gradually undermined through, through violence. Now, previously in this uh, series of talks about uh, post-war Italian fascism, we've looked at the MSI, the Italian Social Movement, which was the most successful neo-fascist organisation of the post-war era. One of the key figures of the MSI was Giuseppe Rauti. Um, Rauti was born in 1926, and he had um, volunteered to fight for Mussolini when Mussolini formed uh, the Italian Social Republic uh, in northern Italy uh, during the um, Second World War. Um, he had, after the war, uh, joined the um, uh, Spanish Foreign Legion. Um, obviously, fascism was the one country in Europe in 1945 that was uh, positively uh, a, a healthy place for, for fascists to go to. And he returned to Italy and joined the MSI in 1948. Um, he was one of the founders of um, an Evola uh, study group called the New Order. And this group um, more openly proclaimed its hostility to liberal democracy. The MSI wasn't really in much of a position to uh, openly challenge liberal democracy or to present itself um, as uh, a kind of an overtly anti-democratic party, though it didn't take much to read between the lines and see its clear uh, anti-democratic um, credentials. If you want to re, uh, listen to more about the MSI, go back a couple of podcasts in this series uh, and you can hear more uh, about it uh, there. Um, however, there so there were elements like the New Order group within the MSI that were um, openly advocating anti-democratic ideas and starting to suggest some of the means by which, uh, both peaceful and violent, that um, democracy could be undermined. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
or even overthrown. Rowdy left the MSI in uh, 1956. Um, he saw the MSI itself as a, a conservative right-wing, not a kind of a radical fascist, but a conservative right-wing organisation. Um, and the the New Order uh, became um, a, a kind of a, a fascist organisation uh, on its own, uh, and by the late 1950s had 10,000 members. Um <clears throat> Roger Eatwell writes, One of those who joined the New Order was Stefano Della Cei, another admirer of Evola. Della Cei, um, who became known as the Black Bombardier, or Shorty, a term rarely used his face because he was a martial arts expert, was in many ways typical of the emerging generation of neo-fascist terrorists. He was young, born in 1936, and had been a student, although he did not finish his studies. Politically active in the MSI from an early age, he'd come to despair of its moderation. He, t- uh, he tired of the New Order too, which he thought was mainly a talking shop. During 1960, therefore, he formed the National Vanguard, which quickly attracted 2,000 members, especially in Rome, Milan and Turin. Most were young males, usually from the lower, middle and professional classes. Initially, its main activities were to attack were attacks against left wingers, though it was also probably behind a small number of assaults on Jews. So by the nineteen sixties, um, Delachey and people like him had become had come a long, long way from the MSI, um, guided in parts by the teaching of Evola, but they, some of them had even um, transitioned beyond what Evola was suggesting. And they had developed their own ideas about political violence. They saw no prospect of a large fascist party like uh, Mussolini's uh, emerging in the near future and having the power to um, uh, launch a political coup um, like Mussolini had done in 1922 in his march on Rome. Um, it was not simply um, the fact that there was a small number of neo-fascists uh, compared to the Squadrista um, in 1922, but they had realised um, that the left was willing to put up a fight. They discovered this, um, if you look at the list of the previous podcast, um, the fascists, had, uh, the MSI had been run out of town in uh, Genoa um, and um, uh, fought off the streets. Um, and their thoughts turned to the possibility of, a, of bringing about a military coup. Um, and how to bring this about was uh, they had a kind of rather sort of uh, unrealistic ideas, but those ideas themselves were extremely violent. Um, they believed that in order to prepare the way for a military coup, to destabilise society, acts of terrorism would need to be um, committed and this would commit this this would be blamed upon the left blamed upon uh, communist groups and so this would induce the public to want a military coup and to feel that they were being protected from dangerous terrorist outrages um, there were members of the Italian establishment um, largely unconnected with Delacei and people like that, who had similar views, um, who had um, a, a belief that uh, it was high time for a military coup in Italy, um, and that um, only 
um, an, authorita an authoritarian but conservative government would be able to ensure the interests of the upper classes were maintained. There was no talk about a kind of a, um, a socially radical fascist government coming to power. Um, there were those who were strongly opposed in the, uh, the ruling classes in the military, in the Italian establishment, strongly opposed to the entry of socialists into the governing, governing coalition, which happened in 1963. Even more um, uh, alarmingly, um, as far as they were concerned, was the growth in membership and uh, power of the Communist Party, the Italian Communist Party, the PCI, which had won 27% of the vote in 1963. Um, and this was seen as uh, the prelude to uh, a communist takeover. Um, there was obviously no chance of this occurring. There was no chance of Italy, a member of NATO, um, and deeply embedded within the, uh, the Western Military Alliance, um, and deeply connected through all sorts of uh, intelligence links uh, and um, military uh, cooperation and governmental cooperation to the USA, becoming a communist power, just as there was no chance of, say, Hungary or Czechoslovakia uh, becoming a uh, liberal, democratic, capitalist nation and uh, embedded within NATO during the middle of the, of the Cold War. And there was also no chance of the Soviets actually wanting Italy to become a communist country because that would destabilise the careful balance of the Cold War with all manner of unintended consequences. The Italian upper classes feared that the rising popularity of the Communist Party would simply mean that there would be um, a, a build-up to a communist coup. Um, and uh, against all this background, writes Roger Eatwell, uh, a still mysterious plot was hatched during the early 60s by Commander-in-Chief of the Carabinieri, uh, the militarised police, General Giovanni Di Lorenzo. Di Lorenzo was a burly but athletic man, a very, the very image of the right-wing dictator, complete with monocle and moustache. Politically, his track record was enigmatic, for after 1943 he'd helped train partisans, uh, which was an unusual course of action amongst professional officers, who tended to remain aloof from the mainly communist-controlled resistance. After the war, he'd become head of intelligence, which brought him into contact with the Americans, who were unhappy about the communist threat. De Lorenzo had built up dossiers on politicians, trade union leaders and journalists, and others whom he believed to be politically dangerous. He planned to use this material to convince other armed services that a left-wing coup d'etat was imminent unless he struck first. When the socialists brought down the government in 1964... As a result of its failure to implement various reforms, De Lorenzo was given the pretext to set the wheels in motion. The plot began to come unstuck, however, when he failed to gain the cooperation of other services, partly as a result of their personal antagonism towards him. Another crucial factor was that key members of the interim administration, especially Aldo Moro, of whom we will learn all about later on, got wind of what was afoot and ordered loyal army units into Rome. Remarkably, it was two years before news leaked out to the public. Predictably, given De Lorenzo's expertise in covert operations, the resulting Parliamentary Committee of Investigation proved inconclusive through an indication of the nature of, uh, though an indication of the, the, the nature of De Lorenzo's politics later emerged when he became the MSI deputy. 
So this plot, the, the failure of this plot, the failure of this, this planned military coup, um, which brought the, the, um, the likes of uh, the New Order far closer to, and, and the, 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 offspring, uh, the, the, the spin-offs from the New Order, far closer to anything that they could possibly imagine uh, sooner than they could possibly have imagined. Um, the failure of this plot didn't end the, uh, the neo-fascist strategy of tension. They saw in 1967 um, a coup happen in Greece by um, the, uh, the colonels in the uh, Greek army uh, seizing power and showing that a small number of highly motiv- motivated men could overthrow a democratic government quite easily, even among, in the conditions of the, uh, of the Cold War. Italy, um, around uh, 67 and 68, uh, along with France, Germany and much of the rest of Europe, is going through a period of intensified social tension, um, particularly in Italy, um, with um, violence being uh, kind of a, a key component of this. Um, the uh, left-wing terrorism in the form of the Red Brigades, sort of like an Italian version of the, the Bader-Meinhof gang, um, launched a series of violent attacks uh, across uh, Italy, um, uh, waging war against the state. Uh, one of their, their victims was Aldo Moro. Um, and I, I do want to dedicate a separate podcast to talk to about uh, Aldo Moro and the conspiracy surrounding his death. Um, and so there was uh, ample grounds for um, the, the reintroduction of some kind of, of, of military rule. Uh, another trend which worried the Conservatives um, during the period was the rise of militant trade unionism, which had been uh, a factor in Italy since the 1890s, as workers sought to benefit from the period of rapid economic growth. Um, there a, a, was a version of this um, across the developed world. Britain in the late 60s, early 70s, um, was um, partly racked by industrial disputes, not from miners that wanted to overthrow capitalism, but miners that wanted to participate in it more and wanted the wage rises to enjoy the, uh, the fruits of, of consumerism. Moreover, in the late 60s, um, the, 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 the rapid development of um, youth culture and radicalism uh, from America to Europe over the issue of um, the Vietnam War uh, and um, the, the kind of various aspects of kind of the counterculture uh, began to have a significant effects on, on Italian society. Um, with sort of anxieties about um, the left and social disorder growing, um, a terrorist campaign uh, by the fascist right was designed to kind of push um, the... Uh, the country towards a, a military coup. Um, for example, uh, on the 12th of December 1969, a bomb was set off outside the agricultural bank in Milan's Piazza Fontana. Uh, two left-wingers were quickly arrested. The whole point was to try to pin it on the left. Um, they died shortly afterwards in mysterious circumstances, falling out of one falling out of a window at the police headquarters. And uh, a variety of other attacks um, and bombings uh, during the ensuing months were blamed on the left. Um, and so this, the finger of blame strongly points at the, uh, the fascist right. And so this takes us on, our, on, on this journey from ideas to action to the attempt to destabilise 
um, Italian democracy itself using terrorist violence. Um, so I hope you listen to this series on uh, Italian post-war fascism uh, uh, all, all together. Um, I think it, it's, it's very useful to trace this, this story and we'll continue and see how we um, move, move into the 70s and 80s. Thanks very much for listening and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. All the best. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.